What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sean Jones NBA Show, and boy, do we have a lot to cover. It has been a while since we chatted. There has not been a lot going on, mostly just rumors and back and forth, but Damian Lillard has finally been traded. So we're going to talk about that trade, how it affects, obviously, Milwaukee, Portland, Phoenix, as well as a few other teams that might be interested in Drew Holiday, and what this means for teams that might have missed out on Dame, such as the Miami Heat. But with that, let's get right into it. So I'm going to start off with the trade details. So Portland traded Damian Lillard to the Bucks, and in exchange, the Bucks sent back Drew Holiday as well as a 2029 unprotected pick, and then pick swaps in 2028 and 2023. That is the last of the picks that Milwaukee could trade, so they've completely exhausted all of their uh, draft capital um, between what they already owe New Orleans and this. In addition, Grayson Allen went from the Bucks to the Suns, uh, and the Suns traded uh, DeAndre Ayton to Portland, as well as T- Tumani Kamara, who is their second-round pick this year. Um, and then the Blazers also dealt uh, Yusuf Nurkic, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson to Phoenix. So I'm going to start off on the Bucks side of things here. And this is honestly a move that I didn't even really think was on the table for them. They weren't really mentioned throughout most of the, this talk. It was really all Miami for the first bid, and then Toronto was mentioned a little bit. Uh, there were some other teams thrown around at different points, but most of the teams that were named were more so to be involved as a facilitator to getting it done to get Dame to Miami, maybe taking on Harrow as a, as a third team. Um, Brooklyn was mentioned a little bit, but yeah, this was a bomb. I mean, I (laughs) kind of broke Twitter today. I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. But this is a massive, massive win for Milwaukee, in my opinion. They looked really, really vulnerable in the playoffs last year. Obviously, they lost first round. Giannis did miss half that series, so there is a bit of a caveat. But regardless, even when Giannis played, they had one very, very glaring weakness. And that was shot creation, specifically in the half court. I mean, they just did not have a guy that can consistently get good looks in the isolation, whether that be uh, initiating for themselves, um, getting shots for others, um, just being able to go get a bucket. They just have not had anyone that can do that at a super high level. And Dame is one of the absolute best at doing that at a high level. And the amount of attention Giannis is going to draw away from him, I'm sure we're going to see the absolute best version of Damian Lillard doing that exact thing. Um, They're going to feed off each other super well. The amount of spacing that Dame's going to create uh, for Giannis, as well as the amount of open looks that a guy like Chris Middleton is going to get compared to what he's had. I mean, Middleton has predominantly been a ball-in-the-hand scorer, and now he's going to have way more catch-and-shoot looks um, he can still obviously go get himself a bucket with the ball in his hand when he needs to when Dame's not on the court. Or Dame can act as more of a spot-up shooter than he's had to in the past. So there are just so many reasons offensively why this is a home run for Milwaukee. It's going to make every single player in that lineup better. Um, last year in the playoffs, Giannis was really struggling with his shot 
and he was really struggling from the free throw line, which was kind of preventing him from shooting much because much, I, I think he just didn't want to go to the line. And then Chris Middleton was honestly a shell of himself. He just didn't look the same this past season. All of his shooting was down across the board. I mean, he had a um, career low in field goal percentage. He had the lowest three-point percentage since his rookie season, and he especially was concerning on the defensive end. Um, and then on the Drew Holiday front of things, while he's obviously a great defender, he's really struggled for them in the playoffs, like really bad. I mean, he had three seasons with the Bucks. He shot below 40% from the field overall at 39.6%. He shot only 30% from three across the three years. He shot below 40% or worse in five of the seven series that he played in for the Bucks. And he shot sub 30% from three in four of the seven series. So he was wildly inefficient for them. And he didn't even have a true shooting percentage of 50 in this, any of the three playoff runs with the Bucks. So as valuable as he is, he was just not showing up for them offensively in the postseason when they needed him. And of course, he's not expected to be that go-to guy, but you expect him and Middleton to be able to pick up the slack a bit when Giannis is either hurt or having a down series. I mean, there's no reason they should have lost to an eight seed, even though the, the Heat may not have been your typical eight seed. But regardless, Dame solves virtually every problem they have. He is elite as an isolation scorer. He was top three in the NBA last season in isolation points per, per possession. And just to put in perspective, the Bucks as a team were the second lowest overall. So, I mean, they have clearly struggled in that aspect. They're one of the worst isolation teams in the whole NBA, and they just acquired one of the absolute best. He also gives them a ton of um, dynamic uh, offensive initiating in the half court. I mean, look, Drew Holiday is a very good player, um, and whoever ends up getting him, if he's moved from Portland, is going to be very happy to have him. But he's just not that guy on offense. I mean, he he's super valuable defensively, but he is just not a guy that can consistently go get you a bucket. When he's hot, he can easily put up a 30-piece, but he's been really prone to these 3-for-12 nights in the postseason, and uh, he's not exactly an isolation scorer at his best. You know, Like I said, Middleton hasn't been um, up to par recently, and Giannis, he just can't do it on his own. I mean, we saw last year he was really limited in the playoffs. The year before that, he played about as well as you could have hoped, but it still wasn't enough without Middleton. So I think Dame is going to fit in just super, super well here. I mean, pick and rolls with him and Giannis are going to be super fun to watch. And I also want to emphasize, I know Dame is 33 years old, but he is coming off easily his best offensive season. Like, he was phenomenal. He averaged a, a career high in points per game with over 32. His assists were up to over seven a game. Um, he shot 46% from the field, 37% from three, which don't sound amazing, but his three-point volume and his uh, rate getting to the free throw line were so high that he had one of the most efficient um, high-volume scoring seasons from a guard in NBA history. Um, he actually had the highest of any guard ever besides Steph. Steph has um, had, a, had a few seasons higher than what Dame had last season, but we know Steph's the best, most efficient shooter of all time. Um, so that's a 
pretty absurd um, company to be in there. His true shooting percentage was 64.5. You don't even see that number out of a lot of uh, big men, which is pretty crazy. On top of that, he had career high um, in field goal percentage, two-point percentage, effective field goal percentage, offensive rating. Um, He had over eight offensive win shares. I mean, the analytics were great. The efficiency was great. The volume was great. He played out of his mind last year. So he absolutely still has a ton in the tank. Um, He probably would have, I know he made NBL third team. He probably could have been first team if he had played more games or if Portland was a bit better. But, you know, the the playing the games thing, I I wouldn't even put that on him. I think a lot of that was Portland not wanting him to come back at the end of the season because they were trying to lose. Um, So, yeah, I think this just opens a whole new um, just – gear for the Bucks offensively. Um, Middleton moving to a clear third option. I mean, even with Drew there, he's kind of been the second option. And they were really reliant on him to get back to his um, pre-injury self next year uh, with the, the before this trade. And now there's way less pressure on him. I mean, really, he's going to be more of a spot-up shooter. He's going to have the ball in his hands way less because normally he's the one running the pick and rolls with Giannis, but now Dame's obviously going to um, be predominantly doing that for them. So I just love what this does for their offense. This is definitely going to hurt them defensively. Um, Drew Holiday is one of the absolute best perimeter defenders in the NBA. I mean, he's been among the league's best for almost a decade now. He's a five-time all-defensive player. Um, he's just... Yeah, we've seen him in the playoff time and time again just hound guys and make a huge difference. We've seen it on the Olympic team when he was honestly getting minutes ahead of and playing better than Damian Lillard just because of his defense. So he's super impactful um, on that end of the floor. And in contrast, I mean, Dame recently has been the definition of a one-way player. He's been not only a bad defender, but one of the worst in the entire league. I mean, his defensive rating last year was above 120. Um, and it was above 120 the year before that, too. He's also, I mean, his analytics defensively are just awful, awful, awful. Um, his defensive win shares, for example, I mean, he's got only barely over two in the past four seasons combined, and that's a number where a normal average defensive player gets over two easily in one season, and he did that over four. He couldn't get there. Um, and Portland, look, they haven't finished better than 27th defensively out of 30 in each of the past four seasons. So that's really the reason they've been so bad um, in the West. And they've gone from sort of the perennial first round exit team to just full on lottery team every year. Um, And look, has Portland had great defensive players around Dame? Of course not. Um, All of his backcourt mates have been huge liabilities. I mean, McCollum's not a great defender. Anthony Simons is actually one of the worst defenders in the entire NBA um, and they just have really struggled, especially to find de- big, long defensive wings to help them up. And it's not like um, Nurkic is some great rim protector or anything like that. So, But Dame's not absolved of that. He, he's been truly terrible on that end. So this is absolutely something that is going to be noticeable. I mean, it'd be one thing if they're going from an average defender to a, the, a terrible one or from a great one to an average one. But going from maybe the best defensive... <laughs> guard in the league to maybe the worst defensive guard in the league it's it's not gonna be nothing is the point however 
Dame, I'm sure, will be able to look a lot better on that end with the Bucks because he's never had a defensive infrastructure as uh, solid as as the current Bucks team is with Giannis as sort of a roamer defensively and Brooke Lopez acting as the rim protector. Plus, I know Middleton was not great last year, but um, we'll see. Maybe it was just Rusty coming off the injury. He might get back to his normal self. If he does, he was a very solid defender as well. They've also got guys like Jay Crowder um, that they can throw at people. Uh, Pat Connaughton is a, a fine defender. He's um, certainly not spectacular, but he's good enough on, on the uh, wing. So, look. They've got some ways to, to cover him up, but I, I, of course I expect Milwaukee to be slightly worse defensively than they've been um, when you lose a, a guy as good on that end as Holiday. And um, when you are going to be playing a guy like Dame 40 minutes a night, especially in the playoffs, um, and that, how subpar he's been on that end. However, we know that, I mean, obviously defense is super important, but in the playoffs, shot creation is just pivotal, and that is one of Dame's absolute strengths. So, um, again, I really like this overall for Milwaukee. They really didn't have to give up that much. I mean, they gave up two um, pick swaps and one pick, so they have basically got rid of all the rest of the uh, draft assets they had. Um, But obviously they were going to have to do something to get a a player like this. And then outside of losing Drew Holiday, which obviously Dame's a big upgrade, they lost Grayson Allen, who – was a nice player for them, um, and I'm, I'm sure he would have been useful on this team, but um, it's not going to be do or die <laughs> not having Grayson Allen on the team. So I think this makes Milwaukee the prohibitive favorite in the East. Um, and honestly, I I think you'd have to say they're the favorite in the whole league. Um, I know a lot of people are very high on Denver um, to – I don't know necessarily repeat, but at least make the finals again. Most people have them as the favorite. I had them as the favorite before um, this trade. But I don't know. I mean, the Bucks now have two top 12-ish players to go along with another top 40-ish one in Middleton, um, as well as uh, one of the best rim protectors in the league. Um, they've got a new coach who um, is more defensive-minded, so... Maybe that will also help some of the um, growing pains of having Dame in the lineup defensively. Um, but regardless, I mean, I it, they're going to be really, really, really good. Um, I thought the Celtics had a pretty good chance to knock them off before this. Um, but now, unless the Celtics counter with a move, maybe get someone like Drew Holiday, <laughs> um, I think the Bucks have to be the favorite in the East, at the very least, if not the whole NBA. And this trade is massive for them on multiple fronts. Like I said, obviously, this makes them probably the favorite. But on the other side of this, Giannis has been yapping, yapping, yapping about how he wasn't certain that he wanted to be in Milwaukee long term. I mean, he's said it multiple times openly to the public. Um, And I'm sure that's just a way of him publicly (laughs) negotiating or sending a message to the front office. Um, that maybe he's for real, that he might not uh, re-sign here if they don't make a big move or um, continue to contend. But this is about as big of a move as they could have made. There's no way they could have gotten a player better than Dame um, with the assets they currently have. And so I really think this saves them from all the Giannis talk. I, I mean, look, if five years from now, Dame will be 38. So maybe the <laughs> Giannis might want to leave then. But the point is... 
this the next two three years I would be extremely extremely surprised if Giannis asked for a trade or didn't re-sign at least on a short-term deal after his um, deal is up Uh, I think he's got two years left on his deal but this saves them I mean so it it puts them in great uh, shape to contend as a favorite this year as well as alleviates any potential worry of him uh, or of Giannis walking in the near future. So, look, they had to go all in because of that. You cannot lose Giannis. Um, also, they were pretty much championship or bust anyway, so you might as well double down and go get a player like Damian Lillard who's going to help you just immensely on the offensive end um, and just make your team way more dynamic overall. I mean, this is going to be by far the best player Dame's ever played with. He's actually never had an all-star teammate in his entire career, which is pretty remarkable for um, a 33-year-old who's been in the playoffs as much as he had. But that's that's a credit to him <laughs> for getting them there without having another all-star. So um, I'm really excited to watch this. I think it's, it's going to be super fun to watch them play off each other on offense. Um, not As I said, not only has Dame never had a player as good as Giannis, Giannis has never had a guy as as good of a shooter, uh, a volume, a, a deep range shooter, a offensive initiator, a playmaker uh, for himself as well as others. So um, it's going to be super fun. Um, and while their defense will take a bit of a hit, like I said, I think that overall the Bucks got uh, much better with this trade um, and they should be the favorites. Shifting over to the Blazers side of the equation here, I thought this was a really, really solid deal for them in terms of just getting the kind of diversity of assets you want when you trade a superstar. I mean, the the main things you look for are another all-star, which they got, uh, a young, promising player with lots of potential, which they got, and then picks, which they got. I mean, I do not anticipate them keeping Drew Holiday. All of the reports have been that they're probably going to move him. But that's the point, is that if they move him, I think they're going to get minimum two picks for him. I'd be pretty surprised if he went for less than that. So when you put in the grand scheme of things, they end up with at least three picks right there, um, which is more than Miami could offer um, because they only had two that they could offer due to the rules about trading picks in consecutive seasons. So um, with the Blazers getting one pick from Milwaukee, likely at least two for whatever they flip Holiday for. or even if they keep Holiday, you know, I think this could be a fun team. I think Aiton is – I have, <laughs> I got an interesting relationship with Aiton. I've been all over the place with him. He is one of the most frustrating players to root for and to watch when you have high expectations. He can go into any game and have just zero interest in playing high-intensity defense <laughs> – and he can pout and not go hard for rebounds. But at the same time, he also can look phenomenal. I mean, the guy's averaged about 18 and 10 every single season. He's shown major flashes defensively of being a legit rim protector and a versatile defender as well for a big man. And he is still undoubtedly one of the best finishing big men in the league. He was in top 90 percentile in terms of just finishing in the paint. He shot above 70% there. And he's also got maybe the best hook shot in the whole league. Seriously, I know that's not a shot that's um, considered necessarily high percentage for a a lot of big men in the NBA these days, but 
it's automatic for him. I mean, he gets his his shoulder into you and goes up with the, the right hand. It goes in almost every time. And he's honestly one of the best mid-range shooting big men in the whole league, too. He's not really been able to extend that range out to the three-point line. But um, he hits that mid-range at a pretty respectable clip. He's also a pretty good free-throw shooter for a big. So in terms of just touch and finishing um, and shot-making around the basket, Aiton is actually, seriously, he's one of the best in the league. Um, The talent has never been the question with him. Um, It's just been the consistency. He doesn't do it night to night. He'll drop 28 and 14 one night and then come in the next and have 10 and 6, you know. So I know it's probably not the easiest for him when he's got all these other guys that demand shots. I mean, obviously Booker, KD now, Chris Paul when he was there was going to be Beal, all guys that were so very clearly going to be or were higher on the totem pole. And they've always said, well, maybe if we get him more touches, he'll try more on defense. But those touches weren't going to be there. They weren't going to be there. So uh, Aiton is a mesmerizing player. But I think he's a he's a great pickup for the Blazers. I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't want him if you're a rebuilding team. Because one... He's still only 25, too. His contract is big. He's overpaid, no doubt, but he's locked up for a few years. And they've got, if you're a team with money to spend, why not take on that contract? Um, and, I, I mean, look, I would not be surprised at all if this guy averages 22 and 11 next year and, and on a decent percentage. And I'm sure the Blazers won't be very good. But with him, Scoot Henderson, who I am super, super high on, Anthony Simons, who is still actually only 24 years old, one of the best volume three-point shooters in the NBA. Shaden Sharp, another guy that I've been very high on that I um, picked to be an all-star coming out of uh, his draft two years ago. Um, yeah, I like what they've got, especially with Scoop and uh, Scoot and Sharp. I just mix their names together, Scoop. <laughs> um, but with Scoot and Sharp, uh, with Aiden, and then Simons. I, I think Simons they might ultimately move because I think Sharp's probably best as a two guard and playing the three of them together could be pretty tough defensively. So no, I don't think they're going to be good defensively. They still have Jeremy Grant. They've got some other maybe interesting younger guys. Matisse Thibel, Chris Murray, if he's um, plays as strongly as his brother did, he's going to be an asset, obviously. But they've got good young pieces. They've got some picks now. Um, to add to it, they got a couple swaps and one here. I think they're going to flip the uh, Drew Holiday for more. So I really, really think this is a great start to rebuild for them. I mean, Scoot and Sharp, in my opinion, could be cornerstone players. I think Aiton is going to be so helpful for them because he's going to take so much pressure off them. Like, he can lead them in scoring, and it would be a success. You know what I mean? If Scoot can focus more on just getting the ball to him, um, running the offense, Sharp can kind of – he was still pretty raw last season despite being good um, in, in some of his limited minutes. Um but there's no pressure on him to come out and be some 20-point-per-game scorer. Um, Simons is going to help spread the floor. So I, I don't know. I like where they're at. I think they're in a really good position to um, rebuild. They will be bad next year. And there's not a lot of teams that are going to be bad or at least trying to be bad next season. So there's no reason they won't be able to get another top pick to add to this core. So um, I know that there's been some teams that have kind of tried to be competitive while rebuilding in parallel. Um, the Warriors, most notably. Um, and then they ended up abandoning the rebuild part of it and just trying to win now. The Blazers did the same thing, but abandoned the win now and kind of just going for the rebuild. So, um, But the fact that they were able to get guys as talented as they have, despite not actively 
going into each season trying to be bad is really impressive. So I think this is going to be a pretty quick quick rebuild, especially if Scoot is really good right away. I mean, two, three years from now, Scoot and Sharp could be one of the better backcourts, at least one of the better young backcourts in the NBA. And Aiton's going to be just hitting his prime. So um, I think the Blazers did well. Comparatively to the Heat trade, look, I was in the opinion that the Heat offer was not as bad as people were making it out to be. I like Tyler Harrow. I think he's a good player. I know he's been inconsistent in the playoffs. He's been injured in the playoffs specifically. Um, but he's gotten better every year. His, his, his efficiency has improved. His role, he, it still feels like he hasn't quite been handed the keys offensively in Miami, but I don't know if they really ever do that until, <laughs> unless it's like a bona fide superstar. Um, but look, I thought Harrow was a, a one of the better assets that they could have gotten as well as obviously two picks was all they could offer with um, swaps. But then they obviously there was talks about um, Jaime Jaquez, their first round pick this year and um, Nikola Jovic, the first round pick last year. We have no idea how good those guys are going to be. Jovic very barely played. Uh, Jaquez hasn't played a game yet. So, and I don't even know if that we won't know if Miami offered all of those things. If they didn't, then I totally understand why, why Portland waited. But if Miami was offering, the full uh, treasure chest of assets that they have, I didn't think it was that bad. It wasn't that, that bad, okay? <laughs> However, what they did get is better. I mean, Drew Holiday is a more valuable piece even at his age of 33 than Tyler Harrow is currently. They off- they gave one less pick, um, but they got Aiton too. I mean, look, Aiton is a comparable asset to Harrow. I mean, they're around the same. Aiton's a little older. They're both a little overpaid, probably. Um, they both have certainly have their flaws, and they haven't been the most consistent. But regardless, they got a, a young potential cornerstone piece, not maybe a perennial all-star, but a, a very nice player in Aiton. Um, and then they're going to be able to flip Drew for picks or keep him if they want to um, have like a mentor for scooting them. But but we'll see. I, I think they're going to flip him. I know there's going to be teams interested like Boston, um, Philadelphia, um, Miami have all been mentioned already. So, But overall, good trade for Portland, in my opinion. I thought they did pretty well um, given the situation. I know Dame was not making it easy for them. Um, but love, love the core they've got so far. And kudos to them for waiting. I have no idea if this was on the table before. I have no idea what was on the table before. The reports were that there was underwhelming trades available. Uh, Toronto came out that they didn't want to get uh, include OG Ananobi, which if they weren't including him, I don't know what the hell they were offering. They certainly weren't offering Scotty Barnes. Uh, I doubt they are offering Siakam. And if the, those guys weren't on the table, then, I mean, well, Gary Trenton picks is worse than this, that's for sure. Um, so I I will apologize to, to Portland because I was certainly in the boat of, well, it's just going to be Miami. Why are we wasting our time? We know he's going to go where he wants to go. And uh, clearly that was the case. However, I will say I did not think a team like Milwaukee was even in the realm of possibility. If I had known that, I think I would have been more open to that idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, they did their thing and who knows this might, this might uh, have a shift in the league where players start to have a little bit less of a say, um, I mean, if this works out for Milwaukee now, we'll have two examples um, in the last five or so years with Kawhi to Toronto and Dame to Milwaukee of teams trading for a guy without assurance that they'd want to be there. In fact, openly saying they didn't want to be there, or at least they had other places they preferred to be, 
and it working out. So um, I think teams might start to take more chances, uh, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, good job to Portland. Obviously, I said like the package. Kudos to them for waiting and getting a, a, a better deal than they would have initially. Um, but again, I still think I stand by the Miami uh, trade was not that bad, but they did get one better. Okay, moving to the Phoenix side of things. They were the third team in this trade. Uh, they obviously sent Aiton to the Blazers, and in turn they got um, Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. Uh, Keon Johnson, I think, was just in there for salary purposes. I do not think they're going to keep him. They've got too many players on the roster now. I There was a report that him and Ish Wainwright will probably be the two casualties uh, of this trade and will likely get cut. But neither of those guys will had, would have had much of an impact on this roster anyway. But as far as the rest of the guys go, I got to be honest. I, I don't get this for the Suns. I think this is a really just bad move on their part. Um, when you got a three-team trade and I'm – Praising the other two teams, it's no surprise that I, I think the third team lost. But this is just a head-scratcher to me. I don't get it. I I understand the want to trade Aiden. Um, he's, like I said, he's been inconsistent as as any player. He He's really good at his best, but he can be so bad at his worst. I mean, you'd rather have a – I mean, watch the playoffs last year. Jock Landell – is so much less talented than Aiden, but he was playing his ass off, and they were honestly playing better with him on the court than Aiden for stretches of that Denver series, and there's just no excuse for that on Aiden's part. Um, so I get maybe the relationship was bad. I know they've had their issues. I know he signed the, the offer sheet in Indiana. They matched. He didn't get the offer he wanted from Phoenix originally. He's been in trade rumors for years now. So maybe the relationship was just so broken that they felt like they had no choice but to move him. And maybe this they just weren't getting good offers. But in my opinion, I, I think, look, it was a little awkward last year when he came back, and it was fine. So I, I don't think it's, like, weird if he came back this year. It's not like there was some – if anything, the offer sheet and the extension situation last offseason were probably more uncomfortable than whatever would have been going into this year. So I just think that – I find it hard to believe it was, like, so bad that – they had to get rid of him. I know him and Monty Williams had a bad relationship, but he's gone. And I Vogel has been said by many to be like the big man whisperer. Um, so I was actually pretty excited to see him, if he could ha- kind of unlock Aiton and get him to play a little bit more consistently. Not even offensively, just defensively. Put in the effort, do the little things, things that he's not done consistently. But with that said, this is just horrible value. I know Aiton is overpaid, but Nurkic is washed there's really no other way to say it since he came back from his serious injury a couple years ago he's just been awful on defense there's no other way to say it like (laughs) he absolutely cannot guard on the perimeter he is slow-footed he's not a great interior defender either he's I mean the advanced stats say he's maybe a, a decent rim protector but um he just has no versatility whatsoever that was what was great about Aiton is that even though he's not necessarily the rim protector you'd love him to be He was versatile. He could guard out in the perimeter better than most bigs in the league. And Nurkic just can't do that. I mean, you get to a playoff setting, and they're going to feast on him on that end. Um, And then offensively, I mean, like, it's not like he's terrible, but 
he's just worse at Aiton at almost everything on offense. Uh, the one thing I, I will say, there's two silver linings here for Nurkic on the Suns. Um, one is that he actually did shoot 36% from three on over two attempts last season. So Aiton has never been able to stretch the floor all the way to three-point line. Nurkic showed that he at least could a little bit last year. I have no idea if that was an outlier season. That was his biggest volume and highest percentage that he's had. But if he can continue that, that's going to be a nice little wrinkle for the Suns offense, just having a, a center that can stretch the floor like that. And he's a much better passer. Aiton was a terrible passer. He was, I won't call him a black hole, but he just wasn't great passing out of doubles. And when he dribbled, it just normally didn't lead to good things. And so Nurkic definitely has a little bit better intuition with the ball. Um, in terms of finding open guys, knowing when to pass, um, actually passing the ball. But other than those two things, I, I just genuinely, there's not a thing on the court that Nurkic does better than Aiton. He's slower, he's older, he's less, less athletic, he's not as good of a rebounder, he's a less versatile defender. Um, we could argue on who's a better rim protector. I think they're pretty comparable. Neither of them are particularly great, but neither of them are awful per se. Um, Aiton's a better finisher. He's a better mid-range shooter, better um, hook shot like it. I mean, he's just better. There's no other way around it. And look, I understand how trades work. You can trade a better player for a worse player, but you'd like to get assets um, alongside that player that sort of even it out. And I just don't think they did. Like, I think Keon Johnson was a throw-in. I think Grayson – look, I like Grayson Allen genuinely. He's a 40% three-point shooter for his career. And he's got very good efficiency and um, good advanced stats. Um, he's actually a pretty good passer. He can dribble a little more than most like guards off the bench can. Um, he at least tries on defense. He can get picked on a little bit, but he's not terrible in general. Um, but the problem is, is his position. He's a six four guard. They already got Beal, who's like six three. They got Booker, who's six five. They got Eric Gordon, who's like six two. They got Damian Lee, who's undersized as well. I mean, they've got all these little guards. So I just don't know what the, the rotation's going to look like. You can't put with Gordon, Allen, Booker, and Beal, the four of them. I mean, ideally, you don't really want three of them on the court a ton because defensively, it's going to be really tough guarding big or small forwards like Kawhi and LeBron. Like, who's guarding them in that situation? Um, so I like Grayson. I just don't think it's a great positional fit for what they needed. They needed more like six, seven, six, eight, um, three and D guys. And Grayson fits the the playing style, but just the size and the position aren't, aren't really great. And then Nasir Little, I've seen some people praising that pickup. I'm not buying it. I, I think he's not good. I mean, his advanced stats are awful. Um, he hasn't had any really significant moments to this point in his career. Um, he underperformed in college. He's underperformed in the NBA. Um, he's been a massively negative player if you look at um, his efficiency and, and metrics. Also, Portland has been god-awful defensively. So I'm pretty sure if Nasir Little was going to break into some 3 and D role, why couldn't he, be, he have done it on Portland? I mean, if he had even shown a great amount of effort on that. And I'm sure he would have gotten more minutes. He still was barely getting minutes for them last season. Um, so I'm not, look, I could be wrong on that, but I'm not, I don't have any expectations for Nasir Little is the point. Um, so I just think that it's really underwhelming what they got back. I think they're worse than they were. Sure. They've got more depth, but like I said, it's all in, it's, it's all in the same position, which, which is an issue. I mean, 
they have eight backup players that are 6'2 to 6'5 right now that aren't even really true point guards, any of them, with Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, Eric Gordon, Josh Kogi, who's also only 6'4, even though he's playing small forward a lot last year, Damian Lee, Keon Johnson, Jordan Goodwin, Ish Wainwright, who they might cut. But all these guys are small. And then on, on the contrary, they've got a lot of centers between Nurkic, Bol Bol, um, Metu, and Drew Eubanks. But they don't have, I mean, Keita Bates Diop and um, KD are literally, oh, sorry, and Utah Watanabe are the three players in the entire roster that are either not guards or centers. <laughs> so, so they're really thin at, at the forward position, which is, in a lot of people's eyes, the most important position um, for role players, at least, playing defensively on bigger wings. But the Suns got worse today. I was really tempted to, to pick them to go to the finals, but I, I'm going to have to rethink that and look at it a little bit more just because they're a worse team than they were, in my opinion, unless they package some of these guys to get an, more of an impact player with some of their second-round picks, which is possible. Um, but I think there is restrictions on what they can do right now with the newly traded four players and aggregating salaries in a trade. So they're probably going to have to wait until into the season, which after just the lack of continuity this team has had over the past few years, I don't think it's necessarily a good idea to be making a lot of trades midseason. I think they really would have benefited from just having the team they have and moving forward with it. So we'll see. It's all speculation at this point, but I really, really don't like this move for the Suns at all. I thought it was a panic move just to get rid of Aiden, and I think they're a worse team than they were uh, before they made this deal. So lastly, I want to talk about a team that was not involved in this trade, and that is the Miami Heat, because we've been talking about them for months now as the team that's going to get Dame Lillard. That's where he wanted to be. They had all the leverage, yada, yada, yada. And this is a huge miss for them on multiple accounts for me. Because one, not only did they not get Dame Lillard, uh, and this their team this season is going to be not great. I mean, they lost a number of contributors last year, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, to name a few. And they haven't really added anybody. They got Josh, Richard, Josh Richardson, and that's about it. They've got their rookie, Jaime Jaquez, who knows how ready he's going to be to contribute. They can hope. Nikola Jovic takes a lead. They can hope Haywood Highsmith is a little bit more consistent this year. But they are a worse team on paper than they were last year. And guess what? They already weren't very good last year. I know they made the finals. Um, but they were an eight seed. So if they if they play about as well as they did in the regular season last year and Jimmy Butler misses 10 extra games, like they miss the playoffs. Like it's possible. The East has, has gotten better. There's young teams like the Magic and Pacers that are – going to be better than they were and could be knocking on the door for the playoffs very, very soon. Not to mention the uh, the mainstays that have been at least in contention, like the Hawks and the Raptors, and then um, the Nets made it last year. So there's going to be competition for uh, making the playoffs in the East. And I'm, I'm not certain. Like, I might, I might have them in the play-in. Seriously. I, I'm not sure that they are going to be top six seed next year. Um, so that's one whole issue. The second issue is that not getting Dame was not really ever the end of the world for them because they had basically a built-in excuse to say like, hey, look, we didn't get Dame, but we've got a plan. We're going to um, – we're, we're looking for bigger fish here. And 
a lot of the rumors had been Giannis. And so, look, if, if they don't get Dame and then Giannis requests a trade in, in a year and the Heat swoop in, then everyone's going to be praising the hell out of them, saying, like, man, the Heat made such a good decision not going for Dame because then they wouldn't be able to get Giannis. Um, and, and Yeah, but that's not an option now because this is a worst-case scenario. Not only do they not get, get Dame, Dame going to Milwaukee basically makes that not going to be a thing. I mean, Giannis is not leaving Milwaukee soon, um, at least not in the next three years or so. And if it's three years from now, guess what? Jimmy Butler is old. <laughs> he's he's like 34. And he, yeah, I don't think three years from now that you're going to be expecting him to be an all-star caliber player, or at least not as good as he is right now. So I don't even know if you're in a spot to contend in three years. So the, the Giannis thing really needs to happen like ASAP if it was going to happen. Um, but now it's not. So I'm not really sure what their plan is. They are clearly a piece away. They need another star player. They don't need another role player. They need another star player. Um, and the only thing I can really think of is Embiid, but that's honestly not an ideal fit for me because Bam Adebayo is your clear-cut second-best player on that team. Bam and Embiid, I don't think they can play together. Um, personally, they're both centers. There's going to be a real spacing issue, on, uh, in my opinion, if, if they were to play together. And so... That means you probably got to trade Bam in an Embiid trade. And in that case, yes. Did Are the Heat better with Embiid instead of Bam? Absolutely. But are they way better than they would have been? Like, for example, if you could keep Bam and then get Dame or keep Bam and then get Giannis, like, those are completely different scenarios, in my opinion, because you can keep your top two guys and add someone, whereas in this scenario, you basically have to get rid of one of your top two guys Um and then add one as well. So I don't know what their plan is. Maybe they can go for Donovan Mitchell. We've heard that to be a rumor. Um, if he's going to maybe be leaving Cleveland soon. I know they just got him, but it's been in the um, – people have been talking about it. But, again, Mitchell's not as good as Dame. He's younger. He's <laughs> closer to his prime years. So I'm not even sure that it's going to be, like, discounted from what Dame got. So they fumbled the bag, in my opinion. Um, again, maybe they offered everything. Maybe they offered Hawkes, Jovic, Haywood, Highsmith, their pick between Lowry or Duncan Robinson. They traded all the picks, all the swaps. Maybe they traded, they offered Harrow. They offered Harrow to a third team for as much as they could possibly get and offered whatever they got back for that to Portland. And then maybe it's like they're in a scenario where it's like, what do you want us to do? We did everything we could. We couldn't get him. We didn't have enough. They said no, which is fair. And that's fine. You can't knock them necessarily, but I'm not sure they did is the point. A lot of things were saying that they wanted to keep at least a few of those things. So if they, if they weren't willing to empty the barrel and they're then not able to get Giannis now and they didn't get Dame and they can maybe get Embiid, but it's going to be a higher price than what it would have been just given that they're going to have to basically get rid of Bam, then it's it's not going to look good in my opinion, and and the pressure is on them, especially if they miss the playoffs this year or something like that. It's going to look really really bad. So, um, we'll see how that plays out. Again, maybe someone unexpected, maybe Kawhi Leonard, asks out randomly and is traded soon. So there's 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 a lot of things that could change. I mean, the the NBA is crazy. It's <laughs> the fact that we're even talking about Damian Lillard in Milwaukee is uh, something in itself. So. Lastly, I want to just talk about Drew Holiday. I think he's going to get traded. I know I was 
shitting on his offense a little bit earlier, but he's still really good. I don't I I was more just comparing to Dame and his playoff performance, but he has had a huge jump in efficiency recently. I mean, he's been basically a guaranteed 15 points and six assists per game for almost a decade now. Um, he was way more efficient in Milwaukee than he was previously, like in New Orleans. His field goal percentage jumped to full 3%. Um, his three-point percentage jumped from below average at 34.6% to almost 40% in his three years there. So he's shown that he can be really efficient and solid offensively when he's around more star players. He averaged 19 a game this past year, made his second all-star team, uh, seven assists, so he's actually a pretty good facilitator and floor general as well. Um, he can score in the isolation a good bit, but it's obviously not something that you want him doing as a uh, your main guy or even probably not even your second guy. But as uh, I talked enough about his defense, you know how good he is there. So he is absolutely the kind of guy that's like, if we just added him, we could win it all type guy. If you're already like a borderline contender. And, and that's what we saw in Milwaukee. I mean, it's exactly what happened. They were dominating the regular season but could not get over the hump in the playoffs and then they win the championship the first year they have holiday so in terms of the teams that have been mentioned boston philadelphia miami people have thrown out the la teams i'm not sure the clippers have the assets uh, from a draft pers- uh, capital perspective and the lakers could do it but if it's going to happen soon i don't think they can because they can't trade like d'angelo russell or hachimura until uh, december because of the- they just signed in the offseason so Unless it's going to take that long, then the Lakers are kind of out of it. So it really just leaves those three teams for the most part. There's some other fun teams like maybe Orlando, Oklahoma City could be in the mix, but I kind of doubt those teams are going to pony up too much to get those to get him just because they're not really contenders. Um, They'd probably both be playoff teams. They both could maybe be playoff teams now. If they get Holiday, I think they're definitely both playoff teams. but regardless, I don't. They wouldn't be contenders, so I, I doubt they would do that given his age and stuff. Um, but I think Boston is the best fit. I mean, if they traded some combination of Brogdon and Horford with uh, two picks, I I know Brogdon probably the Blazers likely don't want him, but they said it'd probably have to be another third team de- deal. But I know the Clippers were interested in him, for example. So I'm sure there's some scenario where they could flip him to the Clippers. Clippers send a salary back to Blazers that maybe they can cut or just someone that they can. Um, mentor I don't know whether it's like a Covington or Marcus Morris and then uh, Drew could go to the Celtics and that would be a scary lineup with Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and uh, Kristaps Porzingis I mean that is one of the best starting fives I've seen in a really long time two all-stars uh, or honestly, three all-stars, a fourth guy who like has made an all-star team and is really good in Porzingis. And then Derek White is your fifth guy. I mean, he's just like the perfect fifth starter. <laughs> so uh, that would be really just, and how funny would it be if it's like the Bucks getting Dame are the reason the Celtics are able to get Drew Holiday. And then, man, that series would be so fun. Um, just going back and forth and Drew guarding Dame and how that played out. Um, the Sixers have been mentioned too. I mean, there. It would obviously have to be something Harden related. I still don't really know how that would even work because Portland definitely doesn't want Harden, so you'd have to find a third team. Um, but they'd have to include assets probably. So I don't know if they want to do that. I don't know if that even puts the Sixers over the top. Really, I think they'd be extremely good defensively, but they already have been good defensively. It's been offense and half 
uh, half court shot creation late in games that's really been their issue and I don't know if Holiday really helps with that um, and then Miami makes sense that he'd be a great pickup but if they didn't <laughs> look if they didn't want Harrow for Dane why would they want Harrow for Holiday uh, so that doesn't make a ton of sense to me um, they could still I don't know if they'd want to trade two picks for Holiday because that's all the picks they had. So basically they'd be offering the exact trade they offered for Dame to Drew Holiday. I don't think Miami would necessarily want to do that. And again, I don't think Portland wants Harrow because we just saw that they didn't. So I don't really know how that trade happens. They could trade Lowry, but yeah, having Lowry's just like having a worse version of Drew Holiday at this point. So if, if Portland doesn't want him, I don't know why they would want uh Lowry, they already got a pretty crowded backcourt. So, again, I think Boston's the best fit. Um, that'd be really exciting in the East, them two battling. So, but we'll see. I'm sure that trade's going to happen pretty soon. They Woj reported that they're immediately listening, and I'm sure that most teams want to get him in before training camp starts on Monday. Or sorry, media day's Monday, but most training camps start next week. Um, so I won't be surprised if it happened before the end of the weekend, but. Um, We'll see, and I'll um, certainly talk about it when it does happen. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, That trade was still crazy that it went down uh, in the fashion it did, but um, look, we got stuff picking up really soon. We've got the uh, NBA Media Day on Monday, then training camp starts, and then we've got preseason games uh, pretty early in October, and then the season, I mean, it's starting in like the third week of October, so... It is right around the corner. It feels like this offseason has been a long one. Um, and since Dame asked out, it seems like there's been <laughs> not a lot going on, which is why I haven't uh, dropped an episode in a while. But um, I'm definitely going to start picking it back up. Um, I'm going to do my top 100 players, uh, which I already released an article for. Go check it out on my website if you have not already. Um, but I will be doing a podcast dedicated to that as well. I'm not going to talk about everybody, but just kind of go through um, some of the key um, things that might stand out on where I ranked guys. Then obviously we're going to do predictions before the season. If there's a Drew Holiday trade or anybody else is traded, probably chat about that as well. Um, I'll probably do a contender tier list, which is greatly affected by this deal today as well. So, um, but yep, that's going to do it. Like I said, so thank you so much for listening. Um, and I will chat with you soon. Thanks.